Welcome to the Living Epistle Podcast, the place where you will find biblical principles to help you live out your faith on a daily basis and to have a positive impact on the lives of others. So get ready for another powerful episode of Living Epistle Podcast. Hello, my name is Tony Miles, and welcome to this week's episode of Living Epistle Podcast. Our church, New Mercy's Christian Church, hosted a town hall meeting this week, um, and the town hall meeting was um, held to discuss some of the recent incidences of violence that have occurred on some of the um, high school campuses, on or near the high school campuses in one of the metro Atlanta school districts. And among the uh, panelists that were, who attended the town hall were who attended the town hall uh, were the school superintendent, the chief of the county's police department, uh, various county commissioners, a couple of judges, and it was hosted, of course, by our senior pastor, Dr. Jesse Kearney III. And so um, I did receive several phone calls this week to discuss um, what had happened or what transpired at the town hall meeting. Let me just say for the record that I did not attend the meeting in person, but I did watch it online. And so uh, the main concern that I had heard from the people who actually attended the meeting was that, uh, quote, there were no concrete solutions being offered, end quote. And I truthfully can say that I did hear from several panelists on several different occasions that this town hall meeting was really the first step. Uh, to, uh, the first step of many to coming up with some long-term viable solutions um, to the problem that was facing this particular community. And so everybody acknowledged that this problem, uh, the problems are complex, I should say, and will require time and effort of all of the stakeholders in the community to in the community to develop these um, long-term solutions. And so um, just for the record, violence in our schools is not only happening in the metro Atlanta area, but it's happening throughout school systems across the United States. And we don't even need to get into all the different cities and places where we've had uh, uh, mass school shootings and incidences of things happening within the schools. Uh, probably the most recent and the most heinous and uh, recent memories, of course, what happened uh, several months ago in Uvalde, Texas. But again, having said that, uh, but violence in schools is not the only issue that is facing many of our communities, whether it's drugs or whether it's crime or whether it's gang violence, whether it's uh, teen pregnancy, whatever the case may be, um, there are tons of issues, tons of issues that are facing many of our communities. And so one of the solutions to these problems from a Christian uh, faith perspective, I believe, can be found in the book of Nehemiah. And so even as I was thinking about the things that are happening in this particular school system and thinking of things that are happening in communities um, throughout our nation, is the book of Nehemiah really does offer a great blueprint for how the Christian faith community should respond when our cities are facing internal crises. And just as a refresher, a little bit of book of the history, uh, a, a little bit of the history of the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah, of course, was a, uh, a Jewish or a Hebrew um, uh, person who was in captive in Persia. And when he was in Persia, 
the, when they were in Babylonian captivity and they, uh, many of the Jews were released back to Jerusalem, right? And uh, Nehemiah was still, still in Persia. But then he had asked, he had gotten, he had asked, hey, what's going on back in Jerusalem? And so when he had uh, gotten word that the temple in Jerusalem was being reconstructed, but that the wall surrounding the city was torn down and that the gates were burned, Nehemiah became anxious, knowing that the walls to protect the city were, were, were down. So here they're building this temple. But, you know, from Nehemiah's perspective, he's thinking, but hey, but the city is open. The city is vulnerable. The city is unprotected. And so Nehemiah um, asked God to use him. Literally, Nehemiah asked God to use him as the vehicle or the instrument to um, help save and protect the city. And I'll just read a couple of verses of this. This is from Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 3 through 6 from the New King James Version. And it reads, And they said to me, The survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. Here it is. Please let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night for the children of Israel, your servants. And I'll stop right there. So as you can hear, when Nehemiah got word of the condition of the wall and the gates, the Bible says that he sat down and he wept and he mourned for many days. Now, to me, that says there's a certain love and a certain care and a certain compassion for his people and for the the place that God has called his house or his city. And so for us who are believers, should we not have that same response when we hear of the violence, we hear the things particularly that are going on in our schools and around our school campuses. And so let's move forward. So what happened is then God answers his prayer. God softens the heart of the Persian king, Artaxerxes. And not only that, but he not only says yes to um, allowing Nehemiah to go back to Jerusalem, but he blesses him with supplies for the project, right? And so he gives him permission. He gives him supplies to be able to go back and to do what um, what is in his heart to do. And so now, here we are. Let's fast forward. Nehemiah is in Jerusalem. So he's made his way back to Jerusalem and he's there and he sees firsthand the condition of the wall. And this is Nehemiah's response. So Nehemiah in Nehemiah 2, 17 and 18 And I love this. Nehemiah says, then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been upon me and also of the king's word that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build Then they set their hands to do this good work. Now, what is that saying? 
To me, it sounds like Nehemiah called a town hall meeting. Nehemiah called a town hall meeting to the people and Nehemiah said to them, hey, you see the condition of this city. You see the condition of this wall. And the people were so inspired. They were so moved by Nehemiah that their response was, let us rise up and build. And the Bible says that they set their hands to do this good work. So the people responded to the town hall meeting that Nehemiah called. And the response wasn't just with lip service. The response wasn't just, hey, yep, Nehemiah, good word, good message. The response wasn't, yeah, Nehemiah, man, you are right. The response was that the people who were inspired by that, the Bible says that they gave uh, tithes of money, they gave tithes of supplies, and they gave manpower to complete the project of rebuilding the wall. And now here's the miraculous part of this, that they completed building the wall in 52 days, despite opposition, right? So let me just give you a little bit of historical context here. Back in about a 1, thousand, eleven hundred years before that, the walls were broken down before, and it took them four years four years to rebuild the wall the first time that the walls were uh, broken down. But now this time it took them 52 days to build a wall. And I don't want us to miss another key point that the people were inspired, not just with words, but the people responded and were inspired to take action. They gave their money, they gave supplies, and they gave their manpower. In other words, the people got actively involved in the project of rebuilding. The people got actively involved in the project of protecting. The people got actively involved in the business of restoration. And so here it is, in spite of the opposition and in spite of accusations and in spite of the murmuring and complaining and in spite of what people were saying couldn't be done or in spite of the opposition trying to prevent them from getting it done, guess what? The wall was built and the enemies were silent. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Here it is that Nehemiah is trying to do good work and he met with opposition. That's right. So even as we look at our communities, whether it's our local school systems or whether it's what's happening with drugs or crime or gang violence or whatever it is, even when we try to do good work, there will be people who will oppose the work. And so we have to know that going in. We've got to know that there will be opposition. We have to know that there will be naysayers. We will have to know that people will be there all the while trying to detract and trying to take us off of focus of what we need to get done and what we need to do. But here's what I would say, just like Nehemiah, he was so focused and he kept his eyes on the end goal. The eyes on the end goal for Nehemiah was the restoration of the protection of the city. And in his case, it was rebuilding the wall. I would say this in the case of our schools, in the case of our communities, in the case of our families, in the case of our neighborhoods, it's still about the restoration and protection of our children and of our families. And so just like Nehemiah wanted to build a physical wall to protect the city of Jerusalem, we, uh, body of Christ, we, members of the household of faith, have to get active in our local communities to be able to restore the protection of our children while they're in school and while they're even on the grounds around the school. And so ultimately, 
Our responsibility as a community of faith is to be living epistles, to be living examples of God's love and power. And so that the world can see the the God, the love of God and the power of God flowing through us. And here's and here it is. And this is why I love what happens in Nehemiah. So let's fast forward to Nehemiah 6 and 16. Nehemiah 6 and 16 reads, and it happened. When all our enemies heard of it and all the nations around us saw these things, these things being that the wall was built and complete, right? Remember, we just talked about the wall was built in 52 days. And so it says, and it happened when all of our enemies heard of it and all the nations around us saw these things, that they were disheartened in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was done by our God, right? And so here it is. Each of us ought to have a genuine compassion for those who are hurting and suffering. Each of us should be able to feel compassion. But if we feel compassion and we do nothing, then we are, then the Bible says in James, and this is one of the scriptures, and you all know this, that really literally changed my life. The Bible says to know to do good and to do it not is sin. In other words, it's not saying just have a knowledge, but in other words, it's saying to be able to make a difference, to be able to have the capacity to do something and don't do anything is sin. So here we are. We know that there's a situation going on in our school systems. We know that there's crime and we know that there's violence and all of these things going on. And so Nehemiah had compassion. We know that because we said the Bible says that he wept. But then after he wept, he went to the father and he said, Lord, send me. Lord, use me to be able to go back and help make a difference to help build a wall. And so that's what I love is Nehemiah heard about the condition of the wall in Jerusalem and then he prayed. And then after he prayed during his prayer or while he was praying, he asked God to empower him to do something about the situation. And so that's my challenge to each one of you, each one of us, to all of us is let's not just hear about the situations and circumstances, but let's use Nehemiah as a blueprint for how we should respond. Our response should be, number one, we should weep. We should weep and we should mourn for the conditions of our schools and the conditions of our cities and the conditions of our nations. But then we don't stop there. Let's do like Nehemiah and ask God to empower us to be able to do something about the situation. And so in this particular instance, we see that our school systems are in crisis. Are we praying and asking God, God, what can we do? What can I do individually? What can I do to be a part of the solution? What can I do to be one who makes a difference? Yes, it may require us to get out of our comfort zone to do something different than we've always done. Yes, it may uh, cause us to, um, you know, to find new ways and new avenues and deal with people or interact with people or groups or institutions that we may not have interacted with before. But understand like Nehemiah, he didn't lose sight of the mission. The sight of the mission was to protect the city. And I would say this, the sight of our mission as believers is to protect our children. It is to protect their health, to protect their well-being, to protect their education. And so as a result of the, 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 the power and the result of what God placed inside of Nehemiah, Nehemiah was able to lead the Israelites into a respect and a love for the word of God. And, and not only 
because of what he said, but the people were watching what he was doing. Nehemiah, because of his love for God and his desire to see God honored and glorified, it did something to the children of Israel. It did something to the nation of Israel, and it led them back towards their first love. It led them back towards faith and obedience to God. How? Through the word of God. And so in the same way for us as Christians today, we are to love and to revere the truths containing God's word. And so we are to commit them to memory. We are to meditate on them day and night. And so we are to be able to then to then use them in our daily lives and in our daily uh, walk to make a difference. Right. Get involved. Let's let's make sure that we uh, we are getting involved. And so many of us who are beyond the age of having kids in school, but we still have grandkids now who are in school. We have nieces and nephews. We have spiritual sons. We have spiritual daughters. We have people that we love, people that we care for who have kids and children in school. Let's make sure that we're getting involved. And yes, as we deal with this crisis of violence in our schools and as we deal with this crisis of violence in our neighborhoods, we definitely need we definitely need to be talking about resources. We need to be talking about school resource officers. We need to be potentially talking about metal detectors. We need to be talking about counseling services, whether it's psychological counseling or family therapy counseling. We need to be talking about after school programs and mentoring programs and sports programs. And all of those take resources. Absolutely. All of those take money. But understand this. Understand this. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, though, we understand that the battle that we're facing is a spiritual battle. It's not just about stuff and it's not just about resources. Just like in Israel, it was not about the stuff, but it was about what it represented. It represents the household of faith. It represents the place where God dwells. And that's what we've got to get back to as a body of believers is that we understand that this battle ultimately is not a physical battle about Again, schools and metal detectors and officers and programs and mentors. It is a spiritual battle. Ephesians 6 and 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So again, family, let's pray. But then like Nehemiah, let's go to work to make a difference in our community. And here it is. And there is no one better than the people of God. There is or are no people better than the people of God under the power of the Holy Spirit to create and make lasting change in the lives of the people in our community. And that lasting change is because then because they see God's power, they see the love of God and we direct them to God's word. They are forever changed internally and it will manifest itself outwardly in the actions and the things that they do. So remember, family, let's preach the gospel at all times. And when necessary, use words. This is Tony Miles. Thanks for listening. Now go and be a living epistle. Join us again next week for another episode of Living Epistle Podcast. Music for Living Epistle Podcast is provided by audionautics.com.